Hey, welcome to the next episode of 60B Cast. Today we're joined again by Stephanie Smith from Confessions of an Internet Addict. Hello. And we're going to talk a little bit about the HBO miniseries, The Pacific, that recently ended this past Sunday. What drew you to The Pacific? Are, are you a War Story fan? Are you just an HBO fan? Or did you watch the um, Band of Brothers series that was previous to this? Oh, yeah, all that. Because, um, well, you know, HBO, all of their shows are great. You know, it's going to be quality. And I knew that... Um, Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks, they put a lot of money into this, and, you know, it was just going to be top quality. And I like, I do like uh, war stories, you know, history, Yeah. anything with World War II, and... Um, and I saw Band of Brothers, and it's it's very good. Is it? See, I've, I've never actually watched Band of Brothers. I haven't had HBO too long, so this is the first, um, you know, war miniseries that I've watched on HBO. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people had said, you know, they're big Band of Brothers fans. It, did you like the Pacific better or worse, or how, how did they compare to you? Mm, I don't know. It's been a while since I saw Band of Brothers. I really, you know, every holiday, like every Memorial Day and Fourth of July, I believe it's on cable somewhere. Okay. And so I'd like to rewatch it again to see what the differences are. But I, I um, would too. I've a guy at work is is supposed to be, you know, bringing me the DVDs for about a year now. So I don't think I'm ever going to get them. So I guess <laughs> I'll have to catch it when it re-airs on HBO. Or, or I could Netflix it, I guess. Um, but I, I've always wanted to watch it. And so I was, I was pretty excited when I first heard about the Pacific coming to HBO. Of course, like you said, it's Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. So you know it's going to be expensive. You know it's going to be top quality. So, yeah. and I'm a big history person myself. So I was, I was pretty excited. I have to say when I first heard of the Pacific coming and the Pacific, if for those of you who maybe only watched a little, it, um, sort of maps the war in the Pacific, obviously, uh, the Japanese war of world war two, as opposed to band of brothers, which I believe talked about the German wars. Is that correct? Yeah, it was Europe. It was it like, was it took whole- place. In Italy and France and... Uh, okay, uh, so the whole story over there. Yeah. Okay, well, well, this looked at the other half, I guess, of the of the war with the Japanese. And they start out, of course, with Guadalcanal, and we see Okinawa, and just all these iconic places that you've always heard things about. And, of course, they have to start out each episode with the real heroes, the the real war stories. And, and I think this is the heart of the show for me. Yeah. I love seeing every week, and, and you know, it's not too long. It's only a couple minutes that they actually talk about the real things that happened. But I love the fact that it was in one of the first episodes that they talked about nobody knew that this was a big deal. Nobody knew what Guadalcanal was. Nobody right. knew that this would become a, a part of history. And, and they were just basically th- thrown out on this beach and, and not really knowing what was going to happen. Yeah, these boys, they were just wide-eyed and just, uh, you know, gung-ho and excited and really did not know what they were getting themselves into. Exactly, and and that's the thing, you know, we first, we start out with Robert Leckie, who is sort of our protagonist for probably the first four or five episodes. Um, he, he's a writer, 
So he's uh-huh. he's probably the unconventional soldier, I guess you could say. Um, he 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 started out, I guess, not that kind of rougher type of person. So so he was sort of the unconventional soldier, and I think he was my favorite of the sort of three leads that we got in the series. We, we followed three different people. We followed Eugene Sledge, who was played by Joseph Mazzillo from Jurassic Park. And we followed Robert Leckie, who was played by Jane Badgedale. And we also followed John Bassalon, who was played by John Cena. Which, uh-huh. which of these characters did you identify with more? I really liked uh, Robert, Bob. I liked his story best, probably. Uh, and and see, I don't know if it's because by the end I was really getting tired. Not I wasn't getting tired of the story or anything, but just like I was getting war t- war torn and war <laughs> and tired of the war, and well, it, it was is, really exhausting me because it, exactly. it's so intense. It is. It it's really an emotionally is. draining TV show. I mean, it's an emotionally draining hour each and every week. So so I understand yeah. sort of you know being tired at the end of it. Yeah, because like I, uh, you know, the gore. Did did you feel like it was getting increasingly and increasingly more gory? It, it definitely was. I think in the beginning, you know, the beginning part showed Guadalcanal, and most of the fights that happened were in the darkness, in the middle of the jungle, and so there wasn't really. It was almost you couldn't tell who was dying. You couldn't yeah. even tell which side it was happening. You know who who was happening. If it was a character you knew, and and so it was a tough thing. But it was almost out of sight, out of mind. You just couldn't tell who was dying. But toward the end, they're in these open fields. It's mm-hmm. broad daylight. So I think the gore factor, especially in the ninth episode, it, it was a ten part miniseries, mm-hmm. and especially in the ninth episode when, and I think it was one of the probably worst war images that we saw when the mother was holding the baby yeah and and she comes up and she's acting like she's trying to give the baby to the soldiers and of course she has a bomb strapped to her and she explodes with the baby and not only was that a tough thing to watch just just period just because of the subject matter but Uh you know they have her blow in three different ways yeah with the bomb so it, it was definitely a a little bit gory toward the end. Well, that, and I think it was right before then where there was the Japanese soldier would like hit the top part of his head blown off and like water was just dripping yeah. into his, oh my God. Yeah. That was just disgusting. I mean, and I, I'm usually okay with gore. Uh-huh. But it just, that, that ninth episode was just, it just had me pulled down and just was just... It was, it was merciless. It, it yeah. was, and I think I think they did that on purpose. I think so too, because by that time, you're with Sledge. You you feel exactly the way he, he he. I think he was changed more. A- absolutely. From all the all the other uh, characters, you know, being a, a a sweet innocent boy, and he war just really affected him. Where I think some characters tried to deny and tried to pretend that it really didn't change them. Yeah. He, I think he really um, accepted the fact that he was a totally different person and um, that war just really, really did affect him. I I agree. I think Robert Leckie, who was the first person that we saw, he sort of took the cynical route. He was always kind of 
a smart aleck, I guess you could say. You could see that when he left his father. And, and you know, his father and, and his family didn't care too much about him. You could tell when he left, he was just kind of taking his bags out of the car, th throwing them, you know, he gets on the train, and there's barely even a goodbye. And even when he comes back, there's there's not much preparation. They There wasn't a lot of caring on their part. And so I think he ended up taking the more sarcastic, cynical route to the war, and, and it just all became like a big, I hate to say joke, mm -hmm. but, but he was just very aloof with mm -hmm. with his character once he came back. It wasn't serious. It was just all, I guess, sort of jokingly, if you understand at all what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think that his parents just didn't care? Or do you think that while he was gone, his parents, maybe his parents really didn't want to deal with the fact that their son was leaving to go to war? Because I got the feeling that they weren't expecting him to come home. That, that maybe they had emotionally checked out to prepare yeah. themselves for his death? I could see that, but again, you know, when he first leaves, he basically has to ask his dad for a hug, if I remember correctly, and he just, he basically has to force a goodbye out of his father, and mm -hmm. and I, again, I don't know, this could be them sort of coping with the fact that an unconventional soldier, as I said earlier, is going to war. They probably never expected this from their rider son, mm -hmm. but... I don't know, even if you did emotionally check out at some point between this three or four year period that he was gone, I just can't see not welcoming my child, no matter what I problems know. you've had, just not welcoming him back and, and knowing what he that he's been through something horrific. Well, I know that people that in the past, we people have not uh, dealt with emotional things head on they try to ignore and try to act like that it's you know try to downplay the importance of of emotional things people tried to you know these days we 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 talk about everything we talk about everything and maybe we talk about things too much but you know in the past we yeah, we just kind of hid things. And exactly, we sort of mulled over them. And, yeah. and like we, we had talked about the Pacific earlier, and you know, like you said, each generation deals with their grief almost differently. Yeah. And this generation did not talk about it at all. And like you said, sometimes if it was two veterans, they would talk about it. But as far as to the groups around them and their families that they that maybe would not understand as well, they mm -hmm. didn't really speak of what happened. And I think this last episode, episode 10, did a really great job of showing this. Because I'll tell you, the most emotional moment for me was, it, it wasn't with Lecky. It was actually with Sledge, mm -hmm. who was played by Joseph Mazzello. You know, like you said, he was this, this wide-eyed kid with pretty much life ahead of him. He had the doctor father and things like that. He was actually from Alabama, which is cool. Yeah. But, um... When he comes back home and, you know, you can see his night terrors, basically, that his father's listening to. And I think that's why his father didn't want him to go to war so bad was he didn't want to see that life taken away from him. Yeah, he, his father really understood what, what war does to a man. Exactly. And I, and I don't think that Sledge fully understood that. But the, mm -hmm. the most emotional moment for me of the entire series was they were out, I think, bird hunting. 
Yeah. They were going bird hunting, and he just hits the ground. He, you know, he's got his gun in his hand, and, and he hits the ground and just breaks down. And, and his dad comes over there and, and holds him, and they don't speak a word of it. His dad starts talking about hunting and the birds and things like that, basically just ignoring what's there. It's, it's holding him, and he's taking care of his son, but there is no words of what happened over there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's so true to the generation uh, of not speaking about it is is they just they sucked up their problems. They sucked up their grief and, and went on about their day. Of course, I'm sure they had bad days, but they just they, they sort of mulled over it and just just kept moving, just kept going. Yeah. And when he went to register at school, when she was asking him, that was Michelle Williams, wasn't it? She was asking him what if he had any skills, if the Marines taught him anything. And he said, and uh, I didn't think that it would work really well because I didn't like it in the, like the preview. Yeah. But it was very, it was very powerful seeing it in, in the, uh, in the show when he said that, you know, the Marines taught him how to kill Japs and he was good at it. And when that is your job and then you're snatched out of it and just expected to go back to normal life. Exactly. Just to assimilate with no trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. And that that is a problem that still, I mean, with every soldier. Absolutely. There there needs to be some sort of bridge program or, or yeah. a better bridge program to to help you with this. Because right. Because today people are coming home from Afghanistan and Iraq and they are on drugs and alcoholics and, exactly. uh, and they divorcing. Just, yes, you know, the divorce rate's very high and it's... It's and it's just because really they don't know of a way to deal with it. And and right. I think if, if the government would take the time to help them as opposed to... Yeah, you, to would think, you would think in this day and age, somebody would, they, that the military would care. But they don't. They don't really care that you've, you, you've been used. They've used you. Exactly. You've signed that sheet of paper. And they've burned away. Yeah. You've signed that sheet of paper. You've done your tour duty. And, and I could almost see them not wanting to help you because a lot of people do end up re-enlisting. Not for the fact that they necessarily want to go back, but it's all they know. It's yeah. what they know at that time. And so they do, you know, go back to Afghanistan and Iraq. Because it's easier to do that than it is to come home. Exactly, than to try to, than to, try to deal with, with life at home. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see that as almost being a ploy for the Army to, to mm-hmm. sort of get people to re-enlist. It's, it's like, we won't help them, so, so maybe they'll re-enlist and, and we'll get yeah. more soldiers. We'll get another tour out of them. Yeah, maybe if we did help them assimilate, then uh, we wouldn't have the such a high re-enlistment. Exactly, exactly. Number. And uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the third sort of... He, he, he didn't have as big of a story as the other two, but John Bassalone, who actually died in the miniseries I have to say his story was by far my least favorite mm-hmm. you know it showed him getting married and and things like that which which was fine but as far as as my interest in the show I guess you could say his um kind of put me to sleep almost yeah do you think it was his acting I think I, it was I, his acting I agree that out of the three definitely that he was by far the weakest yeah um, I haven't seen John Cena in in any other Things, so I don't know if it was just this character, maybe that that he looks familiar, and I know his name, but I have no idea what I've seen him in. But I've heard that he was he in Homicide oh. or something like that. Oh, 
I've never I've never seen him or, or really heard of him in anything. But I just I, I didn't take to his story, and and I have to say his death was not any less sad. Mm-hmm. Like even though he wasn't my favorite character, it wasn't my favorite story. Seeing him run in slow motion toward this bunker almost of safety, and and get it, getting shot down, not far from the bunker, that was that was a pretty hard moment to watch, because that was the first time and pretty much the only time that a really big character did die in the show. A character that we had we had followed for a good period of time. Mm-hmm. He was the only three to actually die. And um, so I have to say his death was emotional. It was, but as far as his out of battle story, there just, there, there wasn't a lot there for me. Yeah. It was a nice break. Yeah. I guess trying to give you a little break from all the fighting and the, the gore, as you said. Yeah. To, um, and, and I didn't mind. I know some people is, I think episode three was the first one to actually show the off island are the off war basically stories, you know, is that where they went to Australia? It was, you know, Lucky was in Australia and met a girl and, and things like that. And although sledge wasn't introduced at this time, I actually liked these episodes to, to sort of show the humanity of of both Uh sides that they weren't just killing machines. They were men and they were just like everybody else. Yeah. And and they weren't in battle constantly. They did have off time and yeah. uh, yeah, but um, but I but I liked those episodes, like episode ten. It, you know, episode ten didn't have any fighting. We opened the episode, and the war's been uh, Jap- Japan has surrendered. Mm-hmm. So, so I liked those episodes. I know some thought they were a little boring, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. But I guess I'm just a big history person, and I just once you throw me into these characters, I sort of get invested with them. So I like mm-hmm. to know full circle, uh, I guess, about the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the series, we get to see a little bit about the real people that actually, I guess, inspired these characters. And mm-hmm. we see that Sledge ends up being a professor at the University of Montevallo, which is not very far from us. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I know. This was when the waterworks started. Oh. Was it? Was it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, they were panning the, the actors with the actual real characters. Yeah. Um, and we learned that, that Lecky ends up being a, a writer, of course. and he, he works for the AP, the Associated Press, doesn't he? Yes, yes. Did he marry the girl? He married the girl. He did. That, he, he married the girl that, that he had been, well, he, he wrote to her the whole time, but he never actually sent the letters. But mm. he does. In episode 10, he comes back home and sort of steals her away from another soldier who's never seen more. He was just a West Point graduate. Mm-hmm. But um, so he does it. Well, now let me ask you this: When he goes to her door and her mother answers the door and doesn't know who he is, did she? Was it that she wanted the daughter to date the officer and just she just didn't approve of him, or did she really not recognize him? I took it as almost she didn't approve of him. Or, or she didn't know why this unknown... I don't know if she, it was her daughter dating a soldier mm-hmm. or or what the deal was as of as to why she was so cold to him. Um, and, and I know sometimes people can have strong reactions to soldiers who, who just came back to war. 
you know, we see that in Vietnam, you know, and, and other wars where some people just, I, I guess they almost have a disdain for the things that they maybe do over there. So I don't know if, if, if that was her problem or if, mm-hmm. I, I honestly didn't know why she was so cold to him or if maybe she wanted her daughter to be with the officer as opposed to the little, you know, the PFC, the, the normal soldier, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But she was awfully rude. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that is so weird in a time where everybody's quick to say, you know, we support the troops. We, we don't like the war, but we support the troops. When, you know, there was a time when uh, people didn't really feel the need to, you know, say, to let you know that they supported the troops. Well, exactly. And like I said, with Vietnam, you know, when they came back, there was there was a lot of governmental things, I believe, that, that people took out on the soldiers. Yeah. You know, those those people had no choice. They Most of them were drafted to go over there. Mm-hmm. And they're doing their duty to keep themselves alive. And, and so that disdain for the soldiers is, is really ridiculous, in, in my opinion. Okay, and when Bob came home, the taxi driver, he was going to give him he was going to pay the taxi driver, but the taxi driver wouldn't take the money. Was it like, your money's no good here, I respect you, I'm doing you a favor by not taking your money, or... Well, see, I took that as the same way that I took the lady opening the door. Because he was talking about, all you soldiers have is malaria and, and this, this, and this. So I took it, again, as almost a disdain for the for the. See, soldier. that's what I couldn't figure out. That's what I thought... That that he was so disgusting that he wasn't even going to touch his money. That's but, that's basically what I got from it. That he was disgusting, and that if he took that money from him, then he's going to get. You know, he talked about some kind of rot. He talked about malaria, yeah. and, and just it was almost a, a disdain for for the soldier. And that I think is why I took so negatively to her opening of the door and being and being cold to him. Is is maybe that. The soldiers all weren't welcome homed, you know, openly. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I could be very wrong. I could be reading way too much into it. It's it's highly yeah. likely. Th- this last one, there was a lot that was left open for interpretation. You know that it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't made clear what they're. Yeah, it what it definitely wasn't just completely laid out for you. Right. Um. But but I, I really like this miniseries. I. I kept interested in the entire thing. There wasn't really a time, minus the the John Vassalone sort of story. And even in episode 10, I liked his wife coming back and, and giving his medal to the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I liked the story overall. I, I really didn't have many complaints from the, from the series. I, I thought they did an excellent job of, of sort of capturing... Um, what really happened? Yeah, and paying tribute to the to the veterans. It, exactly, just recognizing, I guess, everything that they went through and everything that they did, and, and uh, that's again why I like these miniseries. I mean, it, it gives us no idea of, of what happened and what these people went through and and the hardships that they faced, but it does. It has to make you respect them more. 
mm-hmm. just knowing that if this is what happens on a TV show, what the real situation must have been like. Yeah. So, so I definitely liked it in that regard. Well, all right. Thank you so much for coming on again. I know it hadn't been too long since you've been on. So Amy, who isn't here today, is not a fan of the Pacific or, or hasn't seen it. So, uh-huh. so I thank you very much for, for coming on again. And of course, you can find all of Stephanie's podcasts. And I encourage you to listen. She was the first podcaster that I ever listened to and helped me get into podcasting. Um, is it Confessions of an Internet Addict.net? Yep, that's it. And you can also subscribe to her via iTunes from Confessions of an Internet Addict. And I did want to talk real quick about two episodes that are coming up for 60B Cast. This coming up week, we're actually doing a epic Whedon podcast, just an entire Joss Whedon podcast of we're going to rank the series, we're going to pick our top 10 episodes. Oh my gosh. Yes, of all four series. Now, imagine just picking your top 10 Buffy episodes. Yeah, that's hard to do. I mean, but top 10 of everything. Of every series, of all four Joss Whedon <laughs> series. And, I mean, I literally, I, you know, I was coming up with things in my head when I started, and I literally had about 16 or 17 Buffy episodes alone. That didn't include yeah. Dollhouse or Angel or Firefly. That was yeah. just Buffy. So so it's going to be a great cast. We're picking our favorite characters, our most emotional deaths, and, and just... Just an, uh, Well, I would have to say, um, for me, a couple of those would be easy right off. T- I, I think um, Fred's death has got to be the most emotional of the whole, of everything. You know, she didn't even make it in my top five. Really? Yes, I can't. I, there's so many. Yeah. There, there's so, so many. And you're right, hers... Hers is a hard-hitting, a hard-hitting death, because she's such a, a wonderful character. Yeah. So sweet. You hated to see her. And, uh, well, let me ask you what you think about this. My favorite episode, I believe, of that just pops in my head uh, right off the bat is, have you ever, are you now or have you, <laughs> <laughs> are you now or have you ever? Is that a Buffy episode? No, that's Angel. Oh, that's your favorite of all? Yes. See, I, what what is that about? Which one is that? I've only that's, ever seen Angel one time through. That's the first time we see the Hyperion Hotel, where it's a flashback to the 50s, and yes. it's Carthyism. Have you, that was are a you terrible now, episode. Oh, really? I love it. It's oh, my that was probably one of my least favorite Angel episodes. I can't believe that that's your favorite. That's funny. <laughs> that See... I have to say that Angel is probably the redheaded stepchild of my Whedon series. Yeah. It, it receives the least love in any of my lists. And, and it's not that I don't like it. I just, I take to Dollhouse and I take to Buffy and even Firefly more than I do to Angel. And Angel had some emotional moments. It had some big moments. But mm-hmm. it, the series as a whole for me was kind of hit, hit, or, hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's little love for Angel in, in my list. But there is some. There is some. I don't neglect it completely. There mm-hmm. is one episode that, that falls in my top ten of, of all the series. But only what is one. that? It, it's actually Orpheus. Um, Orpheus. It's when Faith and Angel take a dream walk together. Yeah, that's great. It, it was just, 
And That's I, a beautiful episode. It, it, is, really it had comedy, seeing some of Angel's flashbacks. It had just such hard-hitting emotional stuff. And, and I love the relationship between Angel and Faith because they, yeah. they both really came from a lot of the same places and, and sort of had a relationship that he and Buffy never could have because Buffy had never went to that place. Yeah. And, and so they kind of had an understanding of each other. So to see them sort of do this this walk, in, memory walk inside of his head was was just a phenomenal episode for me. Yeah, and you, you just got to understand how Angel was before Buffy. Yeah, it's sort of in between. We hadn't really seen much after he got his soul and before yes. he met Buffy. You got to see that it was a a huge transition between Angelus and Angel, uh, the uh, Angel that we knew. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So I just I took to that episode, and that's actually in my top five. So, so mm. I took to that episode really, really. Like I said, Angel had some incredible moments, series-wise. But I, I think it's a well, and, and, uh, yeah. I mean, I know that. I mean, I love Angel, but I know that there were there were a lot of episodes that were just not good. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's why I take to some of the other one other shows better. Is because I just loved them completely as a whole. Yeah. Even the bad episodes, even Double Meat Palace. I love Double Meat Palace. <laughs> I watch it over and over. Oh my God. That is probably that, Double Meat Palace and Beer Bad <laughs> and I Robot Eugene. Yes. I mean, I hate. See, I, I mean, I, I hope I, think, I never watch them again. God, see, Double Meat Palace is probably my most watched Netflix Buffy. God. I mean, and I don't know why. It, it's not like it's this genius, it's just this quirky. Is it the campiness about the? I think so. I love. I'm a big. I love Xena and Hercules and things like that that are just complete camp. I guess you could say. And so I respect anybody who can do camp well because it is hard to 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 have that line between bad camp and good camp. There is a there is a big gap in between those two. Yeah. Well, like small time. Yeah, I I love small time. It's amazing that they could pull that off. I it mean, could have it could have turned out so bad. Exactly. And I know there's a lot of people that don't like it, but Angel is a puppet. <laughs> Tell me what part of that should work. Yeah. There's just no part of, of that sentence that should work. Right. And, and somehow it was just hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's Joss Whedon for you. Yep. But um but I'm very excited about that. And I'm also starting a second podcast. What? Uh, yes, I'm starting a second <laughs> podcast as if I'm not crazy enough. I have no time to do the one that I, I'm doing. But it's actually going to be a 10-part mini-series podcast almost on the film Southland Tales. Have, have you ever seen that? Oh, wow. Uh, well, sort of. <laughs> okay. Well, if you, if you know, did you watch part of it, hate it, and cut it off? Yes. Okay. See, <laughs> and, I, and I've done it like three times trying to watch okay. it. See, I know it's... It's a very love it or hate it movie. I'll I'll give you that. It's, but I think, I just for some reason I took to this film. It's my favorite film of all time, and for some reason I just took to this film. And it's so hard to understand. There's, there's sixty little subplots that happen throughout the movie, uh-huh. and and there's and you don't even understand the big story, much less the subplots. But I have watched this film over and over. I have read the graphic novels over and over. I have seen the cans cut that uh-huh. um you know that originally was supposed to come out before the studio made him re-edit it and i'm just a huge richard kelly fan in general 
He's he is my Joss Whedon of film, basically. So I'm gonna do. It's called Fluid Karma Cast. If anybody likes Southland Tales, you can follow me on Twitter at Fluid Karma Cast. But it's just gonna be a ten episode series, just breaking each. The movies broke up into chapters. There's three um, graphic novels to it, and I'm going to do a Cans Cut review. I'm actually going to do a commentary, I believe, with John Pavlich from the Sofa Dogs podcast. Oh, okay, good. And um, I'm also doing the Q&A with Richard Kelly. So That's great. Yeah, so I'm very excited about, uh, about this podcast. It's just going to be me. I'm just going to pretty much delve into the world of Southland Tales because it's such a huge story. It's... it's there's so much going on that. Well, I would really like to hear what he has to say about the movie. I, w- I would really like to, because maybe that would make make it easier for me to watch it. I, I think so. I think if you watch the movie just one time completely through, and then you maybe listen to the podcast, they're going to be you know twenty to twenty five minute just in depth podcast. It's not going to be like you know hour long podcasts and things like that. Mm-hmm. you know, sort of breaking up the series. So I, I think if you tried to watch it through and, and then kind of listen to the podcast and maybe saw some of the the backstory, because I've, I've spent hours, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. researching this film. And, and I've talked to Richard Kelly on Twitter before about it. And, of course, he agreed to answer some questions. And, and so... That's awesome. I can't uh, wait to hear it. I know. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. So... Well, I'm excited that Lost. I mean, I'm not excited that Lost is almost over, but I'm sad. because <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sad. I cannot believe that I've watched since day one. Yeah, well, I I think I we watched season one and then picked up yeah. on season two. I knew you said you started season two. Yeah, but yeah, today I have been very depressed. I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah. I, I can't believe that A, there's only two episodes left, and B, that they can explain everything they need to explain in two episodes. Mm-hmm. But I'm just excited to see the entire cast back. Uh, we're getting pretty much everybody, and Shannon, who's my favorite, of course. <laughs> but Oh, is Shannon going to be on tonight? No, she's going to be on Sunday night, I believe, in the two and a half hour. You know, they upgraded the finale uh-huh. to two and a half hours. And I want to okay. say that every original cast member is back, and most of... The other cast members. Um, I oh, know well. Anna, Anna Lucia, unfortunately, is coming back. I think, Ugh. yeah, terrible. And I think they're bringing Libby back again, who was a terrible character. Yeah. But but I, I'm just glad that everybody's going to be back and, and they're all going to be together and, and to figure out how this thing ends. So yeah. Because last week, just I think I wanted to see that the Losties more than I wanted to really see the On Island story. Like mm-hmm. maybe they could have flashed back to the island story and still kept yeah. you up to date with, with our losties that are left alive. Yeah. So I was yeah, I was I had a very visceral reaction to last one. <laughs> you really I, I did. Was, I remember reading on I Twitter. I was very mad. I was yeah. mad. I feel a little better after listening to some uh, some podcasts and some because I just didn't understand. There was no, there was no evidence that he's evil incarnate. Why you're? He's evil incarnate because you're telling me he's evil incarnate. <laughs> yeah, I think that that there's no humanity left in him when he goes through the light. Like the brother to yeah. me is dead. It's just basically evil incarnate. Yeah, I see that now. I can, I can buy that. And that that again, but I really don't know. Is the light just? 
all the goodness in the world? And if it is all the goodness, how did it turn him evil? Yeah. That's what I don't understand. Exactly. Is, is she talked about it being the life in, in every person. Okay, and she said, okay, she says, you know, if I answer this question, it'll only bring up more. If I if I give you an answer, it'll only bring up more questions. And and so that is like Damon and Carlton telling us, I'm, we're giving you these answers, but, but they're still really. going to... Yeah, There's still going to be more behind that, and we're never going to give you all these answers. Why even, why even bring this stuff up? Yeah. If you're not going to answer where the mother came from and how she got powers and the stuff about the wine and stuff about the light, why even tell us this part? Yeah, yeah, exactly, because I would have been better off just not knowing about this lie. Mm-hmm. The- because Damon and Carlton in their uh, in the official Lost podcast said there there's people who are cool with the cork in the bottle analogy, and I'm cool with that. Now that you've went a step further, I, this is not making sense, and I would rather have not known this. Yeah, I, I'd rather have just been happy with the cork in the bottle. Exactly. I would have rather you just told me that basically for the world to survive, and this is my opinion— for the world to survive, there has to be a good and evil force on this island to mm-hmm. keep the balance of the world. I think if if he was to get out or if all the candidates were to die before a new Jacob was announced, then I think the world would basically cease to exist. Yeah. And so they're saying that... that they can make up their own rules so... That these rules are just arbitrarily just made up by Jacob and the brother. I mean, yeah, that's kind of a cop out. Yeah, I, I agree. I just, I didn't take much to the episode either. Um, yeah, it, it was okay. But again, just tell me that they're good and evil on the Island and yeah, make it simple and just exactly. Don't try to completely overcompensate, you know, to, oh, to go over my head basically. Just, yeah. just to not really answer the question. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm excited again. I'm, I'm excited. I'm not worried about that. I'm just, to be honest, the biggest thing with me is the characters. Just to see, I, that's the reason I've, I've stayed on this show. That's the reason that I've, that I've followed these stories is because I love. I generally just love the the characters. Well, you know, I did too up until about season three. And after that, it's like they haven't been able to develop the characters anymore. Like, Jack has not done anything different for about three seasons now. I'm with you on Jack. I love Jack probably, like you said, first three seasons. Post-season three, Jack has done nothing. What has he done this season besides say, I have to stay on the island. My my destiny is on this island. He's, He's kind of given up control and kind of said maybe I was wrong. He's kind of said um, I'm going to sit back and let things happen instead of trying to fix things. He's kind of done that and it's been okay. I think he's become a man of faith. You know, in the beginning he was man of science, Locke was man of faith and and they Carlton and they did say that they would answer this question of whether this was science or faith. They said they would answer that question. So I think they pretty much have in the fact that like Jack telling him what Sawyer with the bomb, nothing's going to happen. So right. I think they pretty much answered that it's more of a faith show as opposed yeah. to science. That Jack, season one, season two, season three, Jack would not have 
said that would not no, have felt no. that way. He, he would have been with Sawyer trying to pull a wire out of that bomb, and he would have called anybody crazy that said, just just let it go. We'll be fine. Yeah. So. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, that has happened, but still I just feel like this started out being a character-driven show, and they've just run their course. And it, Well, I think they just ran out of stories to tell because yeah. they they had a hard trouble at one point of introducing good new characters. Mm-hmm. It, it's like they used up their original characters as best they could, and they had some mm-hmm. great backstories in the beginning. Oh, yeah. And then eventually it was like, what else can we tell you about these people besides mm-hmm. showing them their mundane lives every day? And mm-hmm. and then so they kept trying to introduce people like Nikki and Paolo, people like Anna Lucia, people like Libby, who the audience hated because they were terrible characters. They were terribly acted most of the time. They were terribly written. Mm-hmm. And, and so people really had disdain for these characters. And at some point they just said, well, fine, we'll just make new stories for our original losties and, and see what happens. And I think they kind of ran out of story to tell. Yeah. And, and you would think in these past couple of seasons, when they're trying to answer questions and wrap things up, that there would be good stories to tell, but I have not been impressed by any of these stories over the past couple of seasons. It's just, nothing's really happened. Yeah. This season has been okay. Just due to the fact that they're different. You know, it's it's flash sideways world as opposed to flashback or flash forward. You know, blah blah blah. But mm-hmm. you know, but I really don't think they did anything really original or inventive with the characters. Mm-hmm. Like even in the flash sideways, there hasn't been there. There's been a couple. You know, unless the conclusion ends up being, you know, just knock your socks off. Yeah, I, the flash sideways just has been pointless i i think the only reason the flash sideways has been there is because that's going to be the only world left and so they wanted to show you these stories they didn't just want to end with okay we've started a new world they wanted to show you a little backstory as to who these people are now which kind of defeats the purpose of the whole show for me because that takes away all the character development that we've watched for six seasons that's true they're totally different people exactly they they start out pretty rough people some of these and Uh you know they become pretty likable characters as we go you know on their own island stories and they become pretty great iconic hero like characters as opposed to the sort of seedy individuals that most of them were when we started in season one and Mm -hmm. and so yeah you can say Sawyer's a cop and and Jack's not an alcoholic anymore so that's character development but it's really not it's just a different version of them yeah. So, I, I don't know that that that's probably my biggest, even more than not explaining the island is I guess because I like these characters. Yeah. That you're just going to take away everything that I've watched, all the emotional things that they went through. You know, mm-hmm. for six seasons, and you're just going to take that away and just say, "Well, we're starting them new. They're new people now, mm-hmm. but they're better people." <laughs> that's that's. They're happier. Yeah. I mean, and that's good. I guess they, you know. I guess that gives them some sort of closure, but it doesn't give me closure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I love Lost. I I even love season three and things when people hated it, when they were building the runway with the rocks and everybody was in the cages and, and the fans were up in arms. Uh-huh. I, I even liked that season. So 
so I'm just I'm sad that it's over. I'm sad that that this is going to be the end for all these characters. Yeah. But at the same yeah, time, but, you know. But yeah, I am sad that it's over, but I've been looking forward to as soon as Lost is over, my new podcast is starting. I cannot wait for this new podcast. I I was in fact I was going to ask you about it today. This is called the Potential Cast and I think you could is it at Potential Cast on Twitter that you can follow? Yes. And we have a website now, potentialcast.com. Oh, cool. Um, we need a we need a Facebook page. I gotta start that. But yeah, it's have I talked about it on your podcast? No, you talked about it on yours. So, okay. so go ahead and and, and talk. <laughs> so it's myself and three people who have never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer before ever. They have no idea <laughs> Yeah. This what they're getting themselves into. I, I, I literally cannot wait for this podcast because that was the number one question I wanted to ask you and I almost forgot. But and so you're starting as soon as loss ends. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, we're not really sure exactly when we're going to be starting, but it's, yeah, it was something to do to look forward to after lost is over with. So yeah, it'll yeah. be within the next few weeks, I'm sure. But um, what was I going to say? You're oh, just, you're gonna- oh, so. And I, I want to encourage everybody to get their DVDs out and rewatch. Or it's on Netflix now. All of Buffy's on Netflix to watch along with us. I definitely will be. I, and you're just going to go episode by episode and analyze these episodes and, and sort of get their takes on the episodes being new watchers and then yeah, kind of talk about it a little bit with them. Yeah, and and get some. And then there's a lot of things that I'm not real sure about. You know where because it's been. Because I, j- I only watched um, a year or two ago, so there, there's things that like I'll hear in passing, like I've heard somebody say that Joss wasn't very proud of Angel, and I don't know exactly what that means. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Or like you know, I or I hear that um, Joss was mad at um, at Seth Green for only giving him two seasons, well, and so- I, you know what does that mean? I don't know what that means. Yeah, and I've heard that. Him and um, Charisma Carpenter had a big falling out over Angel and things like that when she left the show. And then I've heard that uh, he, the reason uh, she left was because they ran out of story for uh, Cordelia. So there's a lot of things. There's Mick, you hear mixed. Absolutely, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think Joss would write Charisma out of the out of the show. Because mm-hmm. she was a huge character of both Buffy and Angel. And, and right. fans really loved her. And she had probably the biggest arc out of anybody on, uh-huh. on either series. Um, to yeah. see where she came from in Buffy season one to where she ended up. And and so I just don't see him writing her out of the story. Because to me, she was probably the most interesting character on Angel. I, yeah. I, I didn't like David Boreanaz on Angel. Not even a little bit. I liked Angel and Buffy. I liked uh-huh. the character of Angel in Buffy. But uh-huh. the character of Angel on his own show, just he became goofy and and just not, I don't know, I just didn't take to his character at all in the actual series, Angel. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's those little questions that I want answered by people who were watching back in the day when it was on and, and have been in the fandom the whole time and know... You know, 
the yeah. ins and outs and know everything. Cause there's, you know, I just have questions like that. Yeah. So I'm really excited about getting started. I am. You need to hurry and start because I'm ready. To, I know. I'm ready to dust off Buffy. I've been watching lately, especially on Netflix. Um, so I, I'm ready for y'all to get started and and to relive Buffy because I haven't done a series re- rewatch in a long time. So so it's definitely time. Yeah. Because you know, like I told you before, I I can't. I've got to get this out of my system and yeah. doing a podcast about it. I can, I can, yeah. you know, mull over every, go through every episode one at a time and really analyze it. And, well, and yeah, that's, that's my whole thing for Southland Tales is, is I love it so much that there's no way I could just do a one, one hour podcast on this huge movie. This, this completely hard to explain that I want to delve into this world and, and, and I want to, relive the moments i want to help explain the moments to people who haven't read the graphic novels who yeah who because have. there are there are these things like lost and like buffy the vampire slayer and certain movies that just they beg for podcasts absolutely they need you need to do a podcast about it because you can't just e- explain it in you know in one little blog post or whatever exactly and that's what i was planning on doing and and i just started studying and started taking these notes and just realized that there was no way it was going to happen. And, mm-hmm. and of course, then I talked to Richard Kelly and got that on board. So, so I just made this completely separate podcast. I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. Uh, no matter how many listen, cause I know Southland Tales does have a, it has a small cult fan base, but mm-hmm. um, I, I just hope people will give it a try. Even if they weren't a huge fan of the movie and maybe, maybe understand some things a little better. Um, yeah. And that's why I th- that's why I tried my best to watch it the second time. Um, I knew that there was just I just wasn't understanding it. Yeah, there there is a lot that it. goes on in the film. There is there is a lot between the the questions he introduces, the the subplots that are going on. It's just a huge huge movie, and the cans cut to the film, which was not released, um, that I that I've seen it. It's more atmospheric. And it explains the movie like it doesn't have all those doomsday scenarios and the Justin Timberlake voiceovers and the the video screens with you know it basically trying to explain every little detail. Uh-huh. It, it leaves it more to the imagination, but is one hundred times more comprehensible. If that makes any um, sense. So, yeah. So I'm just excited to get on there and talk about it, um, and maybe decode the world of Southland Tales a, a little bit. Okay. Well, all right. Thank you so much for for coming on to the podcast again. I always enjoy it when you come on. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, um, of course, you can get a hold of me at 60bcast.net. You can follow me on Twitter at 60bcast or email me at podcast60b at yahoo.com if you have any comments. Thank you.